It's episode eight, fellas. Did you think we'd make it this far? No. I, I honestly didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I think it's going pretty well. I mean, we're not getting tons of views on the podcast, but I think it's something that's growing. And every week I'd see more and more people looking at the podcast and whether they're looking at it on YouTube or they're pulling the audio off for Apple or what is it, Spotify. Mm-hmm. We can't really track that stuff, but. I think it's just that slow organic growth is better than being out there trying to, you know, push it a ton. If you get strong organic growth and then at some point we start to push it, I think that's a a good way to do it. I don't know if there's a good or bad or whatever, but part of the thing too is we want to get better at this, right? So the more we do without pushing it out there and out without marketing it, it gives us a chance to get better so that when we do push it, it's, uh, Hopefully really more polished, <laughs> yeah. more polished. Yeah. And cohesive. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I'd like to hear from the audience if you know, some of the things that they'd want to hear more about, like, is anybody interested in guests? I think we're all very interested in having guests on the podcast. Um, but what is that? Is it video? Is it stills? Is it um, people on different <clears throat> continents? Yeah, technicals. Yeah. Technical, yeah. So if you have some input on that, that would be cool to just see what people are looking for, right? Because the more we can do that kind of stuff. I love talking to other people and learning stuff. So the more we can do that kind of stuff, for me, the better. But we haven't even started down that road yet. Yeah, hopefully it's been entertaining at the very least for some of our shenanigans. I know we had a request to get Sasquatch on the podcast as a guest. (laughs) So if any listeners know their favorite Sasquatch, we'd be happy to get them on here. I don't know that they're going to be very talkative, but we can try it. <laughs> Too bad we can have AI generate a little Sasquatch running behind our right in our rooms. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did order a Sasquatch. It's a little oh, stuffed did you animal. Do it? I did. I found one. Cost me twenty bucks, but it'll be here. I also found a jackalope that Dean had. So I think we'll have some good characters for their, that next video. The reason Brandon ordered a Sasquatch was we came up with an idea for a YouTube video that I have not seen. You know, some of these videos, we look at them and you're, you're like, somebody's doing something on what is ISO? And it's got 90 million views. And it's so basic, but I think it's so important. But I think we just tend to say, oh, well, we got that figured out. But not everybody has that figured out. But we tend to not do those kind of videos. But I think we will start doing more of them. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I came up with as an idea, which is why we got the Sasquatch, is I don't want to say it because I don't want anybody to steal it, but I think it's going to be really cool. And it's a comparison kind of thing. And it's just a matter of what I have in my head, what I think the answer is going to be, we're going to test it. And it's going to be very interesting to see the differences so, but we needed a that. stable character to be our subject because I wouldn't stay still and Michael was getting grumpy about it. You know, I'm just <laughs> fidgety, but we nope. needed a stable character. So we had, I downloaded or I bought a Sasquatch stuffed animal because Sasquatch, right? <laughs> and it needs to be in nature, right? It needs to be outside and it has to be something that um, is exactly at the same spot with the same look for all these things that we're going to compare. So it should be pretty cool. Yeah. 
actually you brought up a good point michael how much of the audience actually would benefit or cares to hear about how we talk about exposures so aperture and shutter and iso can you help us out are, are we kind of going over your heads when we talk about some of these things do we need to dive into that more is that something that would be an interesting video for you all just help us out and let us know in the comments and we can try and tailor something in the future but i know sometimes we'll get going and we'll glaze through some of these things pretty quickly we actually have a question today about waveforms so we'll we'll see where we go down <laughs> we'll that see how many trail. people <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, too, is we're not all experts at this stuff. I mean, we go out and shoot, and I I feel like I'm an expert with my camera. Right. But you give me your camera, I would be a fish out of water. I wouldn't know exactly. I would need to shoot it for a week to really shoot it, watch it, watch the histograms, watch whatever I need to watch that helps me get that stuff correct. And then you key in on the monitor and how that stuff looks to, to do it. But with my red, I know exactly what I need to do when I need to do it too. So yeah. um, it's hard to be an expert for all these. I mean, we can do the basics super easy and it probably should be something that we should do. And it probably should be just like a standalone video. You know, you got those three basics, which are very important, but I was thinking too, what about like just composition? Mm -hmm. How many people want help with composition yeah. and it's subjective. It is totally subjective. There is no right or wrong. So much of my, uh, the reason why I compose stuff the way I compose it was from the old days of when I shot for magazines. There's still a few magazines, right? And there's a few contests. Actually, it was one of my reminders. There's a contest. It's January 17th is when it opens for the National Wildlife um, Magazine. And so go out there and get your posts in there. I didn't take any award-winning stills this year about nature so uh, go out there and get that done before it closes but I think Michael you're talking about composition I think where your background helps though is like these thumbnails right because we went out and did a bunch of photos for the bag review that we're putting together and I had to play model and that's going to help because we're going to have that room to actually put text on there or do something with so mm -hmm. instead of me being dead center and then trying to find room around like text we're going to have a nice area to the left or right that actually is usable for that so i think it still has a place it's just changing right instead of verticals like you probably shot a lot of your stuff vertically right in the day yeah you were always after the cover right and right. the <laughs> resolution wasn't good enough back then where if you didn't have a vertical they weren't going to more than not, they were never going to cut a vertical out of a horizontal, but now it doesn't matter. So now you can pretty much shoot however you want, and there's enough information to cut it out, provided you left yeah. the space to do it. But mm -hmm. yeah, there's all that to think about. Um, I don't know. I think it could be kind of cool. I think what we'd have to do is we'd all have to go through our libraries of stuff and just find stuff that is our style mm -hmm. for composition and use that as examples. And then also go through our stuff and say, okay, this is really terrible yeah. i can't believe i shot this picture because here's the problems with the <laughs> composition as yeah. far as i see it mm. I'll, yeah. I'll handle that that um, field <laughs> with my photos <laughs> yeah so i don't know there's yeah. so much to 
to is. do, but I think it would be interesting to yeah play with. I like that idea. Yeah, I mean, the if, audience, let us know. So we are happy to to do that. Actually, I have some. Do you want to get into what the audience said? I have yeah. some things from the last few videos we put out. Um, there's some questions in here. There's just some comments. Do you want to get into that now? Let's do it. Cool. So the first one is from Ben. Um, we've talked about Ben before. We actually met him out on the, the trail, Michael and I did. But he had a comment and question uh, in relation to the Alaska video with the bald eagles that Eric just put out. And he says, right on, Eric, I've been waiting for this. We only see the eagles up in the trees down here, Denver. Yep. Not really, but mostly it seems. So it's exciting to see them at eye level. Beautiful stuff. Excellent eagle audio and great job on the pans and catching them while flying. I need a better tripod. Tripods are key, Ben. They're awesome. Yeah. Are the modeled ones that don't have white heads juveniles? Were there other photographers out there enjoying the cold? Question mark. You Alaskans have your own definition for a beautiful morning, but yeah, it really is. It looks so cold and you're basically standing there in a windbreaker. Need to see the bear and other birds and ways they were interacting too. So first one there is just uh, juveniles versus mature ones. And then yeah. uh, were there photographers out there? Yeah. <clears throat> so I was there during a time where there's um, essentially an event and there were some other tour groups around. So anywhere from half a dozen people to some days, you know, we're spread out over a couple of miles, but there could be 30, 40 people around just depends on the day and the weekend people came in. So, um, but yeah, the Eagles, as far as turning into that classical whitehead and um, mature um, plumage, I guess you would say is like a five-year process. So when they're modeled, you know, they're probably in their third, fourth year. You can just Google search a cycle and you'll see them moving through. But the juveniles are the, you know, all brown kind of speckly look. And then they eventually start to turn their head white and their bodies will get nice and clean black. So, yeah, there's a, a mix of ages there. And uh, they all interact with each other. It's... Um, pretty cool to watch them yeah down on the ground level having their little battles and fighting i wish i would have had more fighting that was really what i was hoping to get to see more of but with all that open water in the first part of that trip it was just there wasn't a lot of competition for food it was a massive buffet spread out over miles and miles so they didn't really need to compete for you know small little open areas to feed out of but yeah thanks ben appreciate it I think my favorite interaction you captured was the black-billed magpies pulling the feathers, the tail feathers yeah. on the eagles. So that was I think that was my watch. favorite interaction. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. The next one is from on. Wild before Bill. You, before oh, yeah. you go too far, um, there's a couple other things. So, and I don't know if we talked about this. If we did, just tell me and we can move on. But yeah. when Eric was editing this video, he put together a rough draft and he sends it to Brandon and I just to look at it so that we can all collectively put in our two cents and try to come up with the best video possible. When he did that, he really didn't have any audio that ended up in the final piece. And then it also wasn't colored correctly yet because it was all shot in log. So it's very, just a great time flat. But when I watched it, the final version, the audio was awesome. Mm -hmm. So what did you use or what were you, you know, it's so mind boggling to go out yeah. as this individual and try to get all this stuff. So you're getting drone, you're getting audio, you're getting wides, you're getting tights, you're trying to shoot yourself doing stuff. You're trying to bring people to the moment. You're doing stuff in the van. 
there's just so much stuff and it took you, I don't know, you were there for what, 16 days or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. What was your thought process and what did you use for the audio? Because it, in the final piece, mm -hmm. when you hear all that audio, it is so much more fun to watch. Yeah. To yeah. hear all those Eagles and to hear all this stuff. I always knew that was going to be an important component because we've talked and, you know, you always hear the classic thing. I think we even said last week where a crappy video and good audio is going to win out over great video and crappy audio. Um, a lot of it was me digging through archives of uh, audio files that I had and kind of cutting stuff, clipping stuff. Um, I did use a little bit of stock audio from a service that, that we're subscribed to, um, to fill in a couple pieces. And obviously the music was from that too. Um, <clears throat> as far as the process goes, I mean, I've, I've made a couple videos of just when I've gone out and, um, you know, just shot on trips here and there and tried to put together like a little shorebird thing years ago. But this was really kind of the first time where I was just going to get out and have all my gear and just try and shoot and cover and really dive into how can I try to like capture an environment more, not to say that, not to make excuses, but this is the first time I really tried to put together a piece. And from start to finish, I was just, you know, solo out there trying to record everything. So there's some horrible cuts of things that <laughs> obviously didn't make it to the thing. And I, I think the other thing that surprised me was, you know, if I had used all the footage, I mean, you're talking eight, 10 hours of stuff. I barely used a lot of what I shot. And as I went on, I was more selective. So there was so much to learn during the whole process. But, you know, I would run my, have my main camera going and then either utilize a GoPro or my iPhone to kind of cover myself, which I hate doing, but I had to do it. And uh, hopefully it won't be so awkward and <laughs> as things go on. But and then I would if if things were quiet or the audio had an opportunity, I have um, a Zoom F2 or a F3. And then I would throw a couple of uh, mics on that and just try and go leave it in the woods somewhere for a little bit or under like the eagles will be perched in the trees up above. So I would go drop uh, a kit there and try and let that record for a little while and get some ravens or eagle calls and and I used some of that and then also the rivers obviously running so I would try you know different distances from the water and things to really play with but boy of all the video work I did the audio I that was like five percent of my time and I really want to go back and or at least you know the next opportunity where I try and go do kind of more of a a quest like video of going out and exploring a subject, I'll have a really different approach to the whole thing going forward just because of what I learned sitting here on the edit side, trying to put something together from, you know, what I captured. I, I can't go back, um, drive back down there, you know, months later and 14 hours each way to try and fix some things that I didn't quite capture, but I was able to kind of fill in some of those holes with either some old footage or uh, audio and some stock stuff too. But yeah. Give me uh, a good example of what one of those things is where you're like, Oh, I would do it totally different is, you know, cause mm -hmm. there's so many, what is it that well, you would spend more time on audio or what is it? I probably, yeah, there were some limitations. I think we've talked about where like I had the FX six and the, um, my battery plate makes a lot of noise, so I couldn't record on camera 
audio, which I fixed. So I didn't have live audio during a lot of what I was shooting that really frustrated me. I think looking at the shots of me, the composition's horrible, but I can't easily see the back of the screen. And I'm like, oh crap, something's about to happen. Let me hit record and try and focus on what I'm doing. And in my mind, I'm thinking I obviously want just someone there covering me, <laughs> you know, documentary style to really make it look good. Um, there's, you know, this a static shot. You can't always see what I'm doing if I turn my back. So those things I think were where they kind of lose maybe some authenticity or, or some artistic or, you know, cool look to them. It would be nice to have someone there. And then maybe, I guess I kind of think about, you know, the storyline and this doesn't really have much of a, a story. It's essentially just like a, a vlog of me going and kind of sharing what I was able to see while I was there. Um, could there be maybe more of a, a sequence to pull out of it or something like that? I'd kind of want to explore maybe, I don't know that I want to like write a nature type piece, but maybe going in with uh, mixing both like kind of me and my story and with the animals or something. So yeah, there's just a lot of ideas that are cooking around in my head. Um, but yeah, I think I was kind of, obviously you don't like to look at yourself on camera. At least most people don't. And those are the hardest parts of like, uh, what do I use of myself to try and at least carry some sort of storyline through what's happening. And let's just give the audience an idea as to your background. Cause like you said, mm -hmm. this is probably the first one that you've put together. Yeah, that is yeah. this comprehensive. I mean, I'll admit it. This is the first time I've ever ran, you know, like three, four channels of video and audio in a timeline that's completely new so how many times i had to google how to da vinci resolve you know x or blank to try and you know piece my way through right. why does everything keep getting shifted and i had to start over once because i had done something you know incorrect setting it up and yeah i mean i'm i have a doctorate of pharmacy degree i've never studied anything technical in terms of uh uh, the video production world or anything. So just YouTube Academy of uh, trying to figure things out and then learning. I mean, the best thing you can do is shoot and the shooting doesn't do anything until you sit down and look at it on the computer. And then you realize, holy crap, I completely blew this out or, you know, my screen brightness was really high or something, you know, I was shooting with the old mirrorless back before really understanding how to shoot log and, you know, histograms and stuff. And, blowing stuff out or you look at it and it's completely underexposed. So yeah, it's just a lot of trial and error to get to this point. And like I was telling you guys while I'm doing it, like I really just want this thing to be done so I can move on to the next. Cause I, the deficiencies start to annoy you and you're like, uh, why didn't I do this better? But at some point you have to call it finished and move on to the, the next thing, which I haven't figured that out yet. Well, and I, you got it. I mean, your preference is to be shooting, right? Not yeah, editing. yeah. I, yeah, I know exactly. my preference is to shoot as well. Yeah. But I think that's everybody's preference. And I think yep. what Eric just said is, is mm. speaks volumes. So totally. when I first started doing video, and if you guys watched last week's podcast where we did the story behind the image, um, that was when I was a newbie to shooting too. And I just really didn't have a lot of just... I didn't have anybody to teach me in YouTube. It wasn't even around at that point. Yeah. So it was just kind of do as you can and then try to pick up classes or workshops here and there just to learn. 
when I was first getting started on this, I had a real job at one point, right? I was a water quality analyst for a city here in Denver. And um, they were starting their own government access channel. And I was like, oh, I want to do video. I wonder if I could get that job. I just knew the right people and I did get the job. I had no background and the guy was willing to take a chance on me. So I learned a ton there. And then over the course of time, we did really well and, and got it going. But when my point to the whole thing is, is I would bring in new people, new shooters. Mm. And when I would do that, everybody thinks that they got this all figured out, right? So we would, I would hand whoever the person was a camera and I'd go out with them and I'd say, okay, let's just shoot a little one minute or two minute thing on whatever it was, a park or a person that works in some fashion for the city, you know, a public service worker or whatever. I wouldn't say anything. I'd let them shoot. And then I would have them edit as well, whatever they shot. And immediately you figure out your deficiencies. Cause if you figure out that, Oh, well I didn't hold that shot long enough, or I was way too <laughs> shaky there, or I didn't give some sort of transition point from this shot to this shot, you figure out so much. And I think that's what you've done, Eric, by doing this piece is, mm -hmm. And I have to say, this piece is amazing for being Great. like one of the first ones that you've ever done, right? I, yeah. as, if you watch this, I mean, it kept my attention the whole time. So having those points where you find like, oh, I should have done this, or I would have been better off if I'd have done this instead of this, or whatever it is, but you don't learn that until you actually have to edit mm -hmm. your own stuff. Yeah. And so the process is like so valuable. And Brandon, you learned all that too when you were doing... Oh, your terrible. own YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think if you get frustrated with video, if you're out there shooting, just know that you've learned so much so fast because the minute you start shooting stuff and then you go back and you do try to put it together, you immediately figure out these deficiencies in your process and then you can go back and correct those. So just keep that in mind if you're if you're in the biz. And I still have all of those was, issues too. I mean, I'm not... I was just going to say that. Yep. I haven't got it figured out. And a lot of times we're shooting wildlife. It's not like we can tell a model or some sort of actor or something, hey, you know what? I messed that up. Can you redo that? And then can you exit this way or can you do this? Because that's how it's going to work best in the edit. When you're shooting wildlife, you're at the mercy of whatever that wildlife's going to do. So you get what you get and you well, can fix it. Yeah. But like your moose thing, right? How many days... So you were out there for a month, right? Essentially the entire month of late, late, late August into September though. So we'll say 45 days for moose. Mm -hmm. How many times would you go out expecting to see something and then not? Or inversely, you'd go out expecting to see something, you'd see something and then you'd wait and then you'd see something epic, but it'd be at the end of the day and you're like, well, I haven't filmed any scenery today. I haven't filmed about how the day has been. And it's just like, how am I going to tell the story now? I have this amazing piece, but I haven't done any of the other storytelling. Like maybe there's wind. Did you get the flowers blowing in the wind or you're by a stream? Did you capture any of that? And it's just like, then you have to go back and you're like, well, it's not snow on the ground today. So now it's spring and yeah, it's tough. That's really tough. There and do you do that every time? So you have 50 mountain shots. Like, I don't know. I think you hit the nail on the head perfectly there it, it is one of those deals that where 
I mess up that stuff all the time because you don't want to take away from shooting something, something epic. So then you don't shoot the scenery or you don't shoot the, the water droplets on the plants or whatever it is. You just don't do it. Right. And then, but cause you're waiting and you're watching these moose and you just, you just can't deviate from this vision. Cause if you, if it happens, you need it. Right. But there's so many days where it doesn't happen. And then you're like, well, I didn't get anything today. There's ways to figure it out. There's ways to go around that. There's, you know, what I've found that I need to do is if I just need to say, okay, well, my focus today is all the other stuff. And yeah. no matter what happens, you're like, okay, maybe I'll still get some wildlife stuff, which would be great. But in order for me to tell a really good story, I need to shoot a drone or I need right. to shoot the scenery or I need to shoot the, the intricate detail stuff. So you know what's going to happen then, right? A wolverine's going to like walk through right. and tempt you. I mean, that's what happened to you. You were filming moose, right? And then those wolves came through. Right. Yeah. And it so, totally I mean, just changes the day, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's how yeah. it usually goes. And then your mindset yeah. totally changes too. And then you're like, <laughs> right. Eric and I were both out there and we, the wolves showed up and then that was basically the end of our shoot. Now they, the moose left because the wolves did show up, but, mm -hmm. um, we basically just jumped on our bikes and rode back. We didn't. And I don't remember why something was going on with my camera that day and I didn't even have my long lens. And of course I'm like, well, it's kind of the end of the season. There's probably not much happening. I'll just take a small lens and just try and maybe shoot some of Michael when we get out there and it's a freaking moose party with like over 20 moose, just all doing crazy stuff here and there. There's little ones fighting, chasing each other. You're constantly like on your head on a swivel. What's happening. There's big bulls ready to fight. And here I am with a little, 24 to 70 like oh, damn it i guess i'll just watch this today but yeah it's tough you never know what you're gonna get it is plenty of days where we sat there for eight hours and like do we go home or do we just keep sitting here because we haven't taken our camera back or our cameras out of the bag yet and then you know that last 30 minutes the sun drops below the clouds and magic happens so that's i think the exciting part of it all for us but yeah you need a all that being oh. said, I mean, the piece you did is awesome. Yeah. The, what you came out with, the, what you learned, the next one's going to be even yeah, better, yeah. and you're well Excited. on your way to, to producing really good stuff. But cool. just Thanks. all the little different parts of trying to put something yeah. together, it's a lot. Yeah, it is. It's way more than stills. I mean, stills, I think a lot of us gravitate towards stills, and we still love doing that, right? But capturing a moment in time with really pretty light is is hard but it's doable. But when you're trying to do the same thing only on video, but then also have the audio and then have all the other stuff to, to go along with it, to actually produce something that's really watchable. It's just a lot of stuff. So I can see why people want to not even mess around with the video mm -hmm. unless you're really into it. Now, one other thing is you were saying, you know, what story do I want to tell or what's, mm -hmm. where do you want to go with what you're doing? You know, with, with YouTube and what I like watching better than anything now, like I love watching planet earth. And I think we've talked about this before and I love mm -hmm. seeing all the beautiful stuff, but I gravitate more now to people in nature and their experiences. So the mm -hmm. vlog approach that you took to this video, to me, I think is way more interesting than mm -hmm. just watching something on, e on Eagles. I agree on that. 
you know, I just think just that whole, like the little thing you did in the van where you had the, you know, it was windy last night and the van was kind of shaking. Let's go check it out and see what, you know, showing the bear tracks and showing that the the bear probably rubbed up against, you know, yep. that stuff is, that's real life. And I think people gravitate towards that more than just a pretty eagle piece. And the hardest thing is to remember, like, yeah, before you get out of the car, like, wait, stop, I have to hit record and have a camera in front of me. (laughs) How many times did I just go do something and like, ah, why didn't I record that? That's why I'm like, I need a shadow with the camera aimed at me the whole time. But yeah, Mm. once that, like, you know, so that's where I guess when I look back of thinking like, why didn't I shoot more coverage of what I was doing? But again, like you said, it's just that challenge of doing everything. It's too much. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to see you like because it was dark, right? So you're probably getting mm-hmm. ten hours of darkness, twelve hours of oh, darkness. Yeah. yeah. So like what did you do during those twelve hours? How did you dry <laughs> out everything? Because you're in a van, right? You weren't yeah. going back to a house that yeah. had heating for, with a furnace. Yeah. How That's did a pretty you dry off your van. camera? <laughs> yeah, still, I've interesting got... to me. Like, yeah, yeah. How did you it cook is. your meals? What I mean, I have eat? videos like, of things, me like right? rebuilding my camera in the van on the countertop trying to do it and i thought about trying to fit it in but I, like at some point there has to be some stuff has to fall to the <laughs> floor maybe we could put some of those little short clips out i can try and edit yeah some we put them out stuff shorts, that left yeah. out and and show you guys that's the hard part and then also you're you're on and you're so focused on everything that you kind of just need to relax for a bit too so you know i would try and i realize now you know trying to edit that I need to change my approach to managing all the files and how do I organize things every day? You know, I tried to pull selects every day, but I have, I think I want to do it a different way next time. So, um, you know, there's a, a lot of downloading, backing up, plus you're shooting, you know, a phone I'm have, you know, a, a mirrorless camera, say doing time lapses and then I'm running FX six and I got audio clips to cut, you know, after a while, it's just, there's a lot of stuff to do at the end of the day, trying to charge everything. So I do have a heater in the van so I can run an S-bar heater that just pulls from my okay. diesel tank and keeps yeah. it warm in there. I didn't really run it that much because I hate to have all the moisture issues and condensation. Yep. So I'd usually keep it kind of cold in there. But once I got everything kind of put away, I would crank the heat in the evening just to kind of dry out all my clothes and warm up before going to bed. So, yeah, but yeah, those are all fun things to see too. And that it's like when you're on a vacation with friends, you know, you pull out the camera, my wife's better at, you know, filming what I'm doing. I just don't ever think about it. And I guess maybe a mix of that is also that I just don't think what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis is that interesting because I do it all the time. And so it's hard to have those fresh eyes on what's happening. You know, I see what you guys do and I'm like, oh, I have all these questions, but when it's something I'm doing, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I've been doing. So yeah, maybe we'll get better at, and I, I, I'm thinking like, what do I, I, and that kind of spurred a lot of questions in my mind of like, and I'm still trying to figure this out too. You know, I've, I've been re going through, we, we did interviews with um, Moose man, uh, Rick, and then his wife Libby and kind of exploring, you know, what gets them out and why do they enjoy, you know, going out and, and moose. And I've been trying to ha- answer those same questions in my head, I think I really like more of like the photojournalistic type of view. I've always liked kind of in the field following around like war journalism or exploring some topic or conservation issue. 
I think I've found that I kind of like to be behind the camera and follow the action and read people's body language and stuff. So I think that would make really more captivating behind the scenes. You know, you talk about planet earth and I always like the behind the scenes as much or more sometimes than the sequences. So, um, you know, I, I think I want to try and explore some opportunities with, with that. Eric, I think you hit the nail on the head there too, with, uh, watching the behind the scenes for me, that's mm-hmm. always way more fun because they do mix yeah. in enough footage of the wildlife, but then you're seeing how the sausage gets made, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool. And, and the excitement all the trials from the and tribulations. camera operators and, you know, the challenges and the, that, that all. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that would tie into something that we could talk about, Brandon, but I think there were a couple other questions about Eric's video and maybe we should do those before we move, move on. Yeah. I have one more about the video and this one is going to get a little technical. So I'm sorry, folks. This is from Alexander. He goes, thanks for the video. I'm a little confused why you overexpose so much. Highlights are almost crashed. According to Sony's own white paper settings for S log three, are white 90%, 100% IRE-61% and mid-gray at 41%. But on your waveform at 2140, I saw much higher settings. It looks like you have you leave the zebras from S709 or Cinetone and expose for S-Log3. Or maybe I'm wrong, question mark. So maybe you can just talk about filming and... This is in yeah. relation to a shot on a eagle next to a yeah, riverside. Yeah, I think that he had a, a link where there's a, a shot of me. Yeah. So he can see my monitor and the mm-hmm. uh, waveform that's on the screen itself. Exactly, um, yep. I mean, the quick answer, I guess, it's snow, so it's white, and you can't really... I mean, you have to, if you shoot snow and you just let it, like on auto meter, it wants to make it neutral gray or something, say, for mm-hmm. a still you have to kind of overexpose, not overexpose to where you're clipping, but, you know, exposing to the right to kind of capture it. I mean, there's so many factors and I sitting here, my two seconds, I don't have a quick answer. And obviously I don't have the, <laughs> the technical degree to answer it all, but yeah, I, I mean, I, there are shots that maybe I did blow out. Um, I think obviously looking at color correcting on like a thousand dollar monitor versus some ten thousand dollar professional color graded thing and then not uploading it to youtube that you know does whatever they do i haven't watched it on my screen and then watched it on a tv to see how exactly identical if it does change things or maybe it does look brighter that way and that obviously could be something to learn from but um yeah i mean essentially i'm trying to push the upper limits shooting in the snow so that i on a black subject, like a bald eagle, you know, where the lights may be beside it or behind it and you have shadows, it's just trying to get as much of that shadow detail as I could without, you know, clipping the snow, I guess was really it. Um, yeah. Yeah. You I have found sounds, right. Black bird, yeah. white head, white snow. Yeah. It's, it's tough, tough subject. Um, there's still a lot of alert room for me to grow. So yeah, I appreciate it. And, It'll be something now that I'm kind of curious. I want to open those files and and kind of pixel peep at them. But honestly, if it looks, I mean, if you don't like the looks of it, I'm sorry. I can try and look at into it more. But on a, at some point, it's also like, I, yeah, I'm not going to get that technical or send Brandon out next to a bear with a card to white card to 
try and meter correctly, but uh, we would talk, <laughs> yeah, just fling it out there and hope. But yeah, I I don't have a, a real good quick answer. Uh, <laughs> technical I think answer. the quick answer is like we talked about. This is like your first approach at producing a full on piece, mm-hmm. and what you got was pretty amazing. And if you messed up a couple of shots, and they may not even be messed up, you're not mm-hmm. a full time color grader, right? Yeah, so that's... if you give those files that probably have the information there to someone that mm-hmm. is, does this for a living, they may get it just right. And I think you just hard to compare what yeah, we're yeah. shooting to something that's going through a, you know, a million dollar production where they have yeah. the budget to, to fix everything. You know, I know when I'm out shooting, as long as I'm, and I just use a histogram, but as long as I'm not clipping on either end, I'm, I know that they'll fix it. Mm-hmm. I don't have to fix it. And I might not be able to fix it if it was left up to me, but I know a professional that does this day in and day out they're going to get whatever they need to get, especially if you have the camera that has that information there, like a red or a FX six or whatever it's going to, the information's there. It just, we, I guarantee you, I do not have the talent to, to fix that. Yeah. Or to make it perfect. And I, like you said, I don't have the $5,000, $10,000 monitor that is going to nail it perfectly. Once I do fix it, I'm just using the Apple monitors that, are pretty good, but mm-hmm. not perfect. Yeah. And then the whole YouTube thing, like you said, when you compress yeah, it, who knows? Upload it, and they're doing all this stuff. Yeah. But overall, I, I mean, it was clipped a little—not clipped, but it was. There wasn't as much detail in the white when I watched it on a regular TV, and I don't have any fancy TVs either. I just have a regular old—I don't even think my TV's 4K. The one I watched it on, it's just an HD. So I could see that some of them were a little. It didn't bother me. You know, I, if I was not a photographer or a videographer, I don't think I would even have noticed it. Mm-hmm. But when you are, you do notice a little bit, you're like, oh, that's a little hot, but it didn't take away from the story and it didn't take away from the, from what was going on. For, from my perspective, Alexander, I don't think you're wrong. I, when I'm doing commercial stuff, I have a 41% zebra setting that I use for skin tones that way. Cause you're always worried about properly exposing skin tones. Um, that's your focus, right? And so I've set up a 41% zebra and that's how I'm looking. I'll just have them hold a gray card next to them. Does everyone know what a gray card is? Um, I think I have one. Um, but it's just a card that's 18% gray or the middle gray that everyone calls. And they make these cards that you can just hold up. And so I just have my talent hold it up. And that way, I, when the, once I see the zebras on the 18% gray and their face, I know everything's properly exposed. And then we can just go from there. So I, I don't think he's thinking about it wrong, um, but yeah. I don't film in a hundred percent white area. It's always yeah. a studio like this or a building or something like that. So, but even in buildings, if you, everyone's experienced this, you're trying to take a picture of your kid or your dog or something like that in your house and you go to take a picture of it and they're in front of a window. When that camera sees that window, it either exposes for what's outdoors it, or it wants to expose for the subject and then blows out everything outdoors. So it's, you can't have it all. Well, I say that, but you're red, Michael. And I, those reds, you can bring back a lot mm-hmm. just because it's raw. And so the Sony's don't film in raw unless you're exporting it out to like an Atomos or something. So 
Yeah, but I think you're right. I don't think yeah. he's wrong in in asking the question, and I don't think it's it's a bad thing at all. It's more of just a very technical and just more of a yeah. For me, it was just real world. I've never shot in a studio and have cards. I'm just trying to make do with whatever's lights out there and and expose the best. <clears throat> I have noticed when I've shot, say, darker subjects that <clears throat> when I've tended to expose a little bit more bright, trying to retain subjects, I realized how much kind of the detail I was losing or affect how much it affected the looks of the shadows. So yeah, there's still stuff that I'm trying to go out and shoot in different light and just not, you know, specifically on a subject, but just to see what it looks like in the back end and finding that I still have stuff to tweak. And that trip was the first time I had that monitor too, and trying to find the right settings and, um, and focus, uh, peaking. And I had, gotten rid of using the focus a follow focus wheel and using the lens and so there was just a lot of things that were going on in my head if it was pretty close that was good enough for me to get through it all but yeah (laughs) it is fun to dive into those technical talks because you do learn a lot and and things from it but well it forces you to think about it right because if someone's calling you out on it it's like okay well i should pay you know there are people that pay attention to this stuff let's oh and i have you watch the video 20 times and you're like, Oh, I, the audio there was wrong or this cut needs to be fixed. So you're looking at like that technical aspect of it. And after four or five passes, you're like, I don't want to look at this anymore. And then, or maybe you're just missing some big global thing when you're fine tuned listening for audio normalization. I mean, how hard is that? And I think there's a spot where the audio kind of dips, but gosh, how many passes can you make on this when you're trying to do it? And then I'm like, well, Maybe I should just shoot for three days and only make five minutes. <laughs> then I don't have to rewatch a half an hour over and over and over. So, yeah. <laughs> well, an audio is so iterative. You don't yeah. get audio the first time. You don't get it the second time. It, yep. it is an iterative process in that you're always adding. There can always be more. Mm-hmm. So audio is yep. tough. Oh, yeah. I could just keep going. Here's that color checker. Yeah. So this is a gray card for everyone. You have white at the bottom, black at the top. This is your 18% gray or your middle gray that everyone exposes for. And then this is the color code on the back. You use this just to check your color casting on like reds, for example. They come with different, they're called OLPFs, and they have ones for skin tones. They have standard ones. They have monotones. What else am I forgetting, Michael? There's some other ones. But what There's you four of them, de- yeah. Yeah, depending on what you're, using it can create different castings in your colors and so if you hold this up you can then when you're color grading you can then grade it for what you know these colors should look like and that comes into play more when you got multiple shooters with multiple cameras shooting all kinds of stuff if everybody's using the same chart then a lot of times you can get to the same this red is this red on every camera that you're using or every light condition that you're using the simple way is if you're out shooting with someone, it's great in one particular kind of light, hold up that gray card, meter off that gray card in that light and use that setting. If the light changes, you got to do it all again. If you don't have a gray card and you're shooting with somebody, just use uh, skin tone. And I was always taught just use the back of your hand. If you can do it, just zoom in and meter off the back of your hand because it's very close to the 18% gray. That's if you're super anal about it. I don't, a lot of times as wildlife people, we're not out there with anybody else. So you really don't have it. So you can look for a rock that looks close or you can look for a tree bark or whatever and get very close. But that's only if you're, uh, you know, if it's just so 
dynamic and things are changing so much or it's too bright or whatever. I mean, most of the time now I've been shooting long enough that I can just guess and get it um, close. And I just go off of that. And then I cheat because with the red, you do have so much information in there that it can be fixed. Yeah. So the, the cheaper mean, end, yeah. the lower end cameras are harder because you don't have that flexibility. So you pretty much got to get it pretty close to right from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. And I found the FX6 does not have as much leeway as, I mean, it's a mirrorless camera, essentially. It's the same sensor. So it does not have as much leeway as you might think sometimes, but that's a, I think that was a great question. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, uh, let's see. I had a, I have one more question, Michael. This one's probably best by you. This is in relation to your building a wildlife camera, mm -hmm. the professional rig, not the Canon. Uh, this is from Bruno. He asked, what is the battery brand model you recommend? And he's in to V mounts is what he's asking. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many and V mounts are, I started out with the gold mounts, which was the thing for a while. And then everybody switched to V mounts. And I don't know why it's probably because red came out with V mounts as a, as their native attachment or whatever the case is. V mounts are the way to go now. Battery technology is really good now. So they're getting smaller. They're getting smarter. They're faster to charge. They're last longer, all that kind of stuff. Um, I just see what gets sent to me when I'm doing a production. So I get to cheat a little bit. You know, if, if somebody hires me to do a shoot and I'm using their gear, they send me the stuff and then I get to see what other people are using. And it's usually coming from a professional rental place in the UK or somewhere like that. So you get a wide variety and more than not, what I see now is uh, Bebop and Hawkwoods. Those are two of the more common ones that I see out there. Um, IDX makes some too. There's Blue Shape. I've used those. Anton Bauer makes some good stuff. It's it's really hard. But if I had to go buy or what I did buy for myself and is the Bebop. And I think Eric's using the Bebop yeah, as well. Same. And um, they're, I think they're all priced very similarly. A lot of it can just be on availability. You know, if I could get it from Precision or B&H or someone local, you know, in the U.S., because Hawkwoods, I think, is based in the UK. So that means it either has to be warehoused by like a B&H or someone like that in order to get it. Because, you know, shipping lithium batteries is difficult um, on yeah, a plane. I had that so, <laughs> yeah. So I I went with the B-Bobs. I know, Doug, y'all, if, if you listen to Wild and Exposed podcast or if you've listened to our podcast, we've talked about it before. I think Doug went with the Hawkwoods, which mm -hmm. that kind of blows too, right? Because if we're out shooting together we can't use the same charger. Sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. I mean, you want to try to, if you got a group of people shooting together that like all three of us, we should probably all just land on that same battery. And that yeah. way we can share and mix and match and we have chargers. That way it just makes it a much easier process. Mm -hmm. But um, V mounts are pretty cool. And, and the problem that Eric was mentioning earlier with that, you know, both you guys have, adapted your fx6 to accept v mounts mm -hmm. but it comes with a whole nother set of issues right whether it's creating noise from the actual connection and what eric was referring to earlier is there's a hum or a buzz introduced by that accessory so that kept him from actually shooting audio native to the fx6 which would have been cool if he could have got a shotgun on there but it's that connector and then 
it's just the manufacturer. It's an, it's a ground issue most more than likely, and it's just not perfect. But you know, it's a cost thing too. You need to go out and spend however much money you need to spend to find the one where people took the time, but it's going to cost more to get the right accessory to prevent that hum or that buzz or that hiss or whatever it is. So um, it's like everything we talk about. There's a million <laughs> little issues that end yep. up happening and you just got to navigate through. And hopefully a podcast like ours at least introduces these issues and, and it's something to think about because you yeah. can't think about it all. There's just no way. I run into stuff all the time where you think you've got it figured out and then something happens and you're like, Oh, well, I either need to go buy this or I need to do this differently or whatever it is. So. Yup. I feel that. <laughs> yup. Well, I just, <clears throat> it's funny that we're talking about that. I just adapted my red. Cause you like, it used to be Arca Swiss, right? But now that you use these bigger cameras, I'm using that LWS system where it's like a larger plate that it latches into. But then I had that plate and it, you can go onto like an airy dovetail that's longer so you can slide it down. So when you're using, let me back up. Cause that was a lot of like jargon. So on our cameras, we use the Arca Swiss plates on the bottom most of the time for small mirrorless setups. Well, when I adapted to the bigger FX six and the red, I was still using Arca Swiss, but they were big plates so that I had the range of movement when I changed the large lens and you have a big old heavy V mount on the end, you need to change it on the tripod where it sits. So I bought a dovetail plate and that allows me more flexibility in where I put the camera when I move from like a 28 to 135 up to like a 200 to 600. But in doing that, it changed all my mounts. And so I just adapted the red to an LWS system, but then it's like now I'm carrying the LWS system around on the big cinema cameras and I still have Arca Swiss and it's just like, there's no, there's always a compromise, I guess, is what I'm getting at. And there's no right answer. So just that pick actually, the rabbit hole you want to go down. <laughs> exactly. That actually brings up a whole nother topic for a podcast or a little short for YouTube that we do not a short, but just a little, uh, five or 10 minute video where tripods, I get those questions all the time. What tripod should I use? And my answer is the biggest, heaviest tripod that you can afford and that you want to carry is what you want to use. But what okay. Brandon's referring to and what he's trying to accomplish is balance. Right. So if he lets go of that camera, it's going to stay where he let go of it. You can't be shooting this really beautiful shot and have an animal walk out and then you let go of the tripod and the camera flips up or, you know, is not balanced correctly. Down, and then yeah. it, and it just messes up the flow of the video. Right. So, um, that would be probably another good video that we could probably do and just dig into. I think between all of us, we got so many different tripods that you could show the examples and what actually happens. And then also the operation of the, of mm -hmm. tripods and how to operate them correctly, because there's so many little, and everybody's got their own little method or way of doing it, but it's interesting just to see how it works. Yeah. You can put in the picture we took last week, I guess the week before of all the tripods we had set up filming in the studio. <laughs> yeah. And they're all different. There's not one <laughs> similar, are. not the same one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it's expensive too. I mean, Brandon, I don't know, you probably bought the most recent one 
and it's the one I would buy if I felt like I could, I could afford it right now. But I don't know. You yeah. you bought it used and was still what six or seven thousand. Yeah, right? seven six grand. Or, yep, used yeah. seven thousand yeah. just for the tripod. But then that means you have to have just the sticks or yeah. legs that actually hold that kind of weight, and then you got to be willing to carry it too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, not a light piece either. I think no. that would be a good one to do. And yeah. what baffles me. Well, it doesn't baffle me. It's just a factor of people, I think, is someone will go out and spend $10,000 on the lens. This is back in the stills days, but they would use a little, what is it, a slick or silk or whatever those old tripods were. They just a little aluminum, you know, just little flimsy things. And you throw a $10,000 lens on it and, (laughs) you know, you just weren't, you're wondering why you weren't getting good stuff. Yeah, bad boys. <laughs> yeah, that I see it all the time where people. But yeah. you can make you it don't work know too. what you don't know though. Exactly, yeah. you just don't. So it's that would probably be a really good video for us to do. All right. So um, what else do we have? I have okay. a couple of comments um, about what we were doing this week. But did you want to go into something else? Uh, I just have two comments. Uh, one is from Tim. This is in relation to our commentary around the introduction of wolves last week he mentioned a few books so if you're reading about wolves and like books he mentions of wolves and men by barry lopez the nine mile wolves by rick bass and the arctic wolf by david mech so those are a few books and then the last comment is from wild bill wild bill i love reading your comments he says he was going to watch the alaska video that eric put out with a nice glass of bourbon so my question to you is what bourbon did you end up drinking I have been drinking some Blade and Bow here recently, and it is not my favorite. So it's all yours, Michael. So just a little update as to what we've been doing here lately. Uh, Eric's been out a little bit just roaming around Anchorage that we've talked yeah. about. Nothing too great, right? Yeah, just the new you year. So doing some burden. There's a funny little joke or a little cartoon, I think. What is that? Family, like family circus or something that's like, I'm um, staying up. It's a little picture. Maybe we can, I'll share it to you guys. It's like, I'm staying up till midnight. So my eBird until my eBird checklist resets to zero for the new year. So all the birders <laughs> out there who are listers that like to keep a year list when January 1st rolls around, you know, it's a short day here, but I always use that as a good excuse to get out and start uh, burden and seeing what's out there. It was actually fun because I went to a couple areas in town that I hadn't been in a year or two and of being distracted by work and learning video and stuff. I got away from it and man, the spruce bark beetle kill in some of the parks in town is just massive. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those trees are now even gone. So a lot of the woodpeckers are moved on and it's just young growth and it was pretty quiet, but the grand total, uh, three or four days of birding, uh, in Anchorage in the winter, I have 24 species. So that's pretty, pretty nice. small amount for here. <laughs> There's all, nothing better than the first day in spring when the ducks show up and you can hit a 30 species, you know, count in like a matter of 20 minutes, but uh, 24 for three days of hiking all over town in different parks. <laughs> that's about the best I could do. I think 30 species, or 32 species is, uh, so the downy and hairy woodpeckers are the most common. We can get uh, okay. American three-toed, which is what I was searching for, um, but those areas are okay. different. And then um, black-backed woodpeckers come in when there's a burn. So we've had some wildfires 
um, both natural mm-hmm. out of town. And then there's been some, um, unfortunately, some homeless campfires in town. But man, with while that can still be smoldering, those blackback woodpeckers fly in and that's that's their mainstay for food source and really? habitat until it kind of a couple of years it cycles out. But yeah, they're smell that smoke or what, and they come in right away. And so that's, um, our friend Ray here in town, we're thinking about going and checking out one of those burns, but just trying to figure out how to get in there with four feet of snow and (laughs) it'll be (laughs) interesting. Um, but so are they all year round residents? Those will be, you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you could also get Northern flickers here, but you know, I've had like one over winter one time I saw it, but they're, they're, usually move out um oh, we have a lot of those a couple down other here. ones but nothing else that's really common mainly just hairy and downy woodpeckers okay yep that's cool yeah that's awesome so brandon and i have been staying busy with not wildlife not in the least bit <laughs> we have been sitting in uh, a garage shooting a bunch of how-tos or you did a bag review and then you also did a little short video on hybrid shooting. So that yeah. means we're using a DSLR for both stills and video and just the way he does it. Some of the settings that he uses and just to give you the quick um, ability to switch between stills and video. And that way you can shoot both, which I think is right. probably what most people are doing. I don't know. It's right. a guess. You know, yeah. we're all three more video based i think and you know video is always top of mind and i'm always video just because the camera i have i guess it'll shoot stills but i don't ever do that it's just all for video but if you're shooting a hybrid or a dslr of some sort which is the a1 or the r5 or the z9 or any of those they're all really great at both of them you know just how he approaches that process which is kind of cool and hopefully it'll be interesting and then the other day we were like, well, we need to, so Brandon did a bag review on this bag that he really likes with the exception of a few little dumb things that could be improved. Um, so we're like, ah, oh, we should go get some B-roll of him with this bag. So you wouldn't believe how hard it is to find a really cool place in around Metro Denver where you terrible. can get something that looks kind of cool. You know, one of the places that I thought would be perfect, they, end, they were doing tons of construction so we couldn't mm-hmm. shoot very much there. And then, then you start driving around these other places. Oh, I know this place over here. We can probably get away. I, you know, and what I was thinking, and it goes along with what Eric said earlier, we should have shot that process of us looking because that is just as interesting <laughs> as, as totally. you know, we both, yep. we ended up, we both had our cars cause we live in different parts of town. So we met at this spot and then we both jumped in one car and we just started driving around and we're just kind of, shooting the bull as we're driving around, but that would have been probably a good fun thing just to bring people into the day in the life kind of, of what we were doing. But, um, I think we ended up doing something really cool as far as getting B-roll. Cause we finally found a good spot to do it. But then we also, um, then we didn't, Brandon is a video. gear. Y'all want to just like tune in just to see the amount of gear that Brandon buys weekly. <laughs> hey Cause now. he showed up <laughs> And maybe your wife shouldn't listen to this, but (laughs) he showed up the other day and he's like, so I got this Sony mic system and then I've got this DJI mic system. And then, oh, I went ahead and rented the Rode mic system because we should compare them all. And 
it is super awesome to have him have the thought to actually do this because there is no perfect system. So you're really having to choose. recording hell right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. So like we got to back up. Michael is like, he's done this. Like he knows what he needs to know. He knows the sun's going to rise and the sun's going to set and he knows all his production and everything's going to work out. I am still, so I'm like beginner intermediate, I'll say. Like I'm learning, I know some things, but I'm still stupid enough and don't know enough to get myself in trouble, a lot of trouble sometimes. And so audio is important when you're going out and recording clients and different things. But I'm always trying to make things better. And so this is one of my big problems is I'm always like, this could be better. There's gotta be something better out there when in reality it's good enough, but I hate the phrase good enough because it just, I don't know. I I have to credit that to my dad. Like if I said good enough, it was like game over in our house. Like that was (laughs) as bad as a cuss word. And so like good enough to me is not good enough. And there's got to be something that's better. And so I'm constantly trying to iterate into this. So when I first started out, like doing, I'm going to go be a videographer type thing. I bought these little DJI mics and they're fine for recording, like talking on the camera like this, it'd be fine. As soon as you get out of line of sight, or as soon as I put it behind me, because, you know, I got some girth on me. As soon as I put it behind me, it loses signal because it's all based on eyesight. And so you start getting and upgrading into this audio set. Well, this is like year two of me going through this whole process. And on my, on the actual production side, I use Sony UWP lav mics, which are fantastic. They're radio frequencies, but they're almost $2,000. And most of you don't need a $2,000 microphone lavalier setup to talk to a camera, right? So like that was where my mind was, is what can you throw in your bag and what can you do with your microphones to do this? Now, my last thought is my biggest fear is that my wife i'll die and then she's gonna sell everything that i own for what i told her i bought it for (laughs) Uh, we gotta be at that garage sale yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. she'll be like i got this camera do you guys want it for two hundred dollars i don't know (laughs) yeah i need But we ended up doing something pretty cool where it was just off the cuff. We were out in the middle of nowhere. He has his three mic systems. So we had Rode, DJI, and Sony. Mm -hmm. And we just did a quick little comparison that I think is going to be a really interesting video. And they're all good, but there's not one of them that has everything. So you really got to pick and choose. What Do you you want 32-bit float? Do you want a better battery? Do you want it seamless? Do you shoot Sony? Is it Sony that would be you better just because you're shooting Sony? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so many. You know, does it record internally? Oh. But we yeah. just kind of did a little highlight video. And me not be even messing around with any of these mics ever, I would like to get one. So I thought, oh, this would be great. I'll just get to figure it out. I walked away like, I don't know. <laughs> They're all good in yeah. some way. Yeah. What do you use? What's the best one? What do you want to yeah. plunk down $300 on? Because that's about what we're talking, right? Three, four hundred yep, three, bucks. Three, yep, exactly. Yep. So it's, while it's a lot of money, it's not like 
you're going out and buying a $5,000 camera and you can get really good audio with these things. And it is going to serve your purpose if you're doing something like what we're doing, or even if you just want to capture decent stuff out in the field, but none of them do. There's not one that does it all. Awesome. Well, and like these little, does everyone know what we're talking about? The little DJI and road systems there. You'll see them on YouTubers nowadays. They'll put them in their chest or clip them on their lapels. That's what we're talking about. But my thought for wildlife was well, if I can get these things to record well, I could go stash it out somewhere where I'm hoping something is much like our GoPro camera traps, go stash it out somewhere and capture some audio that can then transmit back to my video that doesn't have me moving around or anything near camera, but I haven't got it to work. So it's just, I don't know. I have these grand ideas and then they just fall flat on their face. And so I try to, solve all of these issues and it just comes to me spending more money than i should on things that don't actually work more often than not like i still have six batteries in the garage michael from yours and mine last bad decisions on camera traps for gopros but it's (laughs) it's it's just life if you want to we i think it's just part of the process if you want non-standard just nothing that's been seen before right most people don't need to do that. If they want to go take a picture of a bear or a moose or a video of a moose, they don't need to be doing this. But we want like the little noises, right? Or like we just put out a, I think it's out there, a short that has the moose sniffing the camera and you can actually hear it making the, and it's awesome. So we want more of that stuff. So right. Well, hopefully us doing this stuff will give you some ideas so you don't have to go out and buy everything like Brandon does. And, right. And you can just, take all the information and say, Oh, that one will work. Yeah. Cause I could come up with one that I thought would work for me. I th- out of Maybe. what we did, I don't, mm-hmm. it may not be perfect, but it's going to work. So yeah. that video is, is going to come out. And then his whole bag video, I was actually intrigued by that, that, that bag too. It's, it's kind of cool, but it does have some deficiencies. So stay tuned for those. And, and we had some fun shooting them and we're going to be doing more this week just cause you know, tis the season tis the season to be doing the how to's and <laughs> right. um but any feedback you all have on stuff like that that you want to is it composition is it audio is it tripods is it exposure is it all yeah. those yeah basic I, iso you know everybody's out there doing iso and they're doing exposure but a lot of times people are doing it in the studio and right. can we do it differently for wildlife i don't know i mean i'm sure we can but is it uh, going to be of interest I'm sure it probably is. We should probably just answer our own question and go do it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So uh, I was going to ask you a question. How is the bear trip doing? Did you get that almost? I think you had a few spots last time I talked to you. Do you still yeah, have I think there's one still, or two open? I, no, I think there's four open. Okay. So there's still some space. Yes, yeah, still some space. So if you're wanting to go on a bear trip, um, sign up for that. Uh let us know on the story behind the image if you guys like that, because I think we have some other images that yep. we can do that with. Um, one of them is a picture of an eagle that I shot way back in the day, which is kind of cool. And I ended up doing a poster of it. Oh, yeah. And I just recently found, I don't know, like 400 of those posters that it never got sold. So we're going to throw that up on our website. If you're all looking for a gift for somebody, uh, an eagle poster is, it's kind of a cool shot that, um, 
these things are just sitting in my shed. It would be great to get them out there. So that's going to be up on the website for sale. Um, you were going to have some other stuff too, right? That you have up on there. Yeah, I got that all up there. So I think we're good to move forward. Uh, for Glatz Nature Production, there is a Bigfoot shirt up there. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Bigfoot. Sasquatch. Uh, anything else? else on your side, Eric? No, not not anything to add, really. We should have our GoPro, three ways to use a GoPro out here in the next yeah. couple of weeks. Brandon's getting super close on that one, right? I am excited about it. You know, one thing that I'm learning is that I talk too much and I push people down tangents. And so then when I stand next to Michael on these videos, because we, we stood next to each other and filmed ourselves, and I am just squirrel, right? And so I'm having to do a lot more editing work than we should have. But it, it's coming together. Awesome. So this is the first time I will say in an edit where I have more footage than I am possibly ever going to need to the point where, because you get through these edits most of the time and you're like, oh, I wish I had this or I wish I had a majestic mountain scene or whatever it is, right? And there's always that I wish I had. There's too much video on this one because it was eight months of work between the two of us and we filmed almost every day we went out there. And so it's just like finding the footage sometimes is hard enough. So I've been spending hours just watching it and marking it in and out and using my new keyboard. So that's been useful. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'll have it out here. I'll have a first draft probably this week and then we'll follow up and iterate and get it back out for y'all. 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 Well, thanks for tuning in and uh, come back in.